This is 680-CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, I finally started to get caught up on my PVR after my two-week Game of Thrones binge. I'll offer some thoughts on some summer TV. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I saw the new Ghostbusters this week. I'll tell you all about it. Plus... Well, I'll tell you what's coming to Blu-ray and DVD, as well as digital HD. First, it's the news. From the couch. Lannister. Baratheon. Stark. Tyrell. They're all just spokes on a wheel. This one's on top, then that one's on top, and on and on it spins. Crushing those on the ground. I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. Tons of news this week about Game of Thrones, starting with when Season 7 will begin. Typically, Game of Thrones starts in April, but Season 7 won't start until summer 2017. Your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth. Also, HBO has at last confirmed that Season 7 will only be seven episodes instead of the usual ten. There's only one hell. The one we live in now. Here is the reason for the delay. We've been hearing this for six seasons of Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. And winter is coming. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. And winter is coming. Winter is coming. Tis a bit nippy. And as we learned at the end of season six... Winter has come. If the maesters are right, it'll be the coldest one in a thousand years. Which means they need more winter weather for shooting purposes, which means a delayed production, which means a delayed start. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. As for the seven episodes, the guys behind the show have said they've got their story mapped out and doing fewer episodes means they can spend more time focusing on making each episode better, which I suppose I'm fine with because we all know the battle to end all battles is still on the way. The real war is between the living and the dead. And make no mistake, the dead are coming. Meanwhile, HBO says when you add up all the ways to watch the show, live viewings, PVR, and its digital platforms like HBO On Demand, HBO Go, and HBO Now, Game of Thrones Season 6 averaged just over 25 million viewers an episode, a whopping 5 million more than last year, and it continues to be HBO's most watched show of all time by a mile. The war is not over, and I promise you, friend, The true enemy won't wait out the storm. He brings the storm. Finally, the Season 6 Blu-ray and DVD sets will be released on November 15th of this year, way sooner than usual. The DVDs don't normally arrive until March, just ahead of the new season. Also, the season will be released digitally on August 1st. The digital version will have some special features, the DVD will have more special features, and the Blu-ray will have even more special features. Again, that's coming November 15th. Jon Snow avenged the Red Wedding. He is the White Wolf. The king in the north. Remember Making a Murderer? It was the Netflix documentary series that took the world by storm over Christmas vacation. 
The people that were close to Steve knew he was always happy, happy, happy. Always wanted to make other people laugh. <laughs> they didn't dress like everybody else. They didn't have education like other people. The Avery family didn't fit into the community. Stevie did do a lot of stupid things, but he always owned up to everything he did wrong. I'm doing a good life until all the trouble started. If you haven't seen it, and spoilers ahead for one thing, it was a gripping series about a guy, Stephen Avery, who spent 18 years in jail for a crime he didn't commit. Penny Bernstein was everything that Stephen wasn't. So just think of the two of them side by side. There was no real investigation done by the sheriff's department. The sheriff told the DA not to screw this case up. He wanted Avery convicted of this crime. There isn't one iota of physical evidence in this case that connects Stephen Avery to it. In fact, the sheriff was told by the police, you have the wrong guy. He finally gets out and then two years later gets arrested for murder again when a young woman goes missing after last being seen with him. Stephen Avery spent 18 years in prison for something he didn't do. 18 years. 18 years. DNA had come through indicating that he had not committed the crime. Law enforcement officers realized that they had screwed up big time. I did tell him, be careful. They are not even close to being finished with you. Do we have a body or anything yet? I don't believe so. We have Stephen Avery in custody, though. Are you kidding me? And we all pulled our hair out over frustration with a legal system that seemed hell-bent to lock this guy up, regardless of whether he committed a crime. And don't get me started on his nephew. It was such a popular series that Netflix has ordered more episodes. It's a strange situation since it took 10 years of filmmaking to get the 10-part series, and not much has really happened since the last episode. Netflix says the new episodes will be made by the same people that did the others and, quote, provide an in-depth look at the high-stakes post-conviction process, as well as the the emotional toll the process takes on all involved. No word on exactly how many episodes may be in the offing or when they'll be released. The disappearance of Teresa Halbach remains a mystery. Mr. Avery's blood is found inside of Teresa Halbach's vehicle. Steve, everybody's listening. What do you want to say today? I'm innocent. Everything I've heard him say hasn't been the truth. It was extraordinarily disturbing. We went through this 20 years ago, and we're going through it now again. In this criminal justice system, good luck. You are probably the most dangerous individual ever to set foot in this courtroom. The truth always comes out. More news from the couch in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry and Jeff Brun, we are The Couch Potatoes, continuing now with more news from The Couch. My dad joined Starfleet because he believed in it. I joined on a dare. You joined to see if you could live up to him. You spent all this time trying to be your father. Now you're wondering just what it means to be you. That's a clip from Star Trek Beyond, which just debuted in theaters this weekend, but they're already planning a fourth movie in this rebooted Star Trek franchise. And to tell you what it's about and who will be in it, let's go back to the first one. Your father was captain of a starship for 12 minutes. He saved 800 lives, including your mother's and yours. I dare you to do better. 
Remember the beginning of that movie? If I don't report in 15 minutes, evacuate the crew. Sir, we can... There is no help for us out here. Use autopilot. And get off this ship. Aye, Captain. You're Captain now, Mr. Kirk. The Federation ship was under attack, and the ship's command was passed off to the father of James Tiberius Kirk, George Kirk, played by Chris Hemsworth. George! The shuttle's leaving. Where are you? Sweetheart, listen to me. I'm not gonna be there. No. This is the only way you'll survive. Please, stole the ship. You have to be here. The shuttles will never make it if I don't fight them off. George, I can't do this without you. Okay, I need you to push now. That baby being born was his son, James Kirk, played by Chris Pine in the reboots. He was being born in an escape pod while his dad, George, stayed behind and put the ship on a collision course with the enemy ship and died. And that's where this week's news comes in. Star Trek IV will also star Chris Hemsworth, best known these days from the Marvel Cinematic Universe as the God of Thunder, Thor. Thor, status. The girl tried to warp my mind. Take special care, I doubt a human can keep her at bay. Fortunately, I am mighty. He is so far starred in four Marvel movies with three more to come, starting with Thor Ragnarok in November 2017, which is fine by me. More Thor the better, because Thor is both mighty and hilarious. This drink, I like it. I know, it's great, right? Another! I need a horse! We don't have horses, just dogs, cats, birds. And give me one of those large enough to ride. You people are so petty. And tiny. Hemsworth can currently be seen as the dopey admin assistant Kevin in Ghostbusters. Here is your coffee, Abby. Thank you. Did you get sugar in it this time? Mm. Yeah. I hate coffee. Yeah, the sugar's in it. Sugar's in it. As far as this fourth Star Trek goes, Variety says Chris Pine's Captain Kirk will cross paths with his father, described as a man he never had a chance to meet, but whose legacy has haunted him since the day he was born. So I guess George Kirk either didn't die, or there will be some sort of time travel chicanery. No word on when that Star Trek movie is coming, but in the meantime, Star Trek Beyond playing as of this weekend. This is where it begins, Captain. This is where the frontier pushes back. You got a problem, boy? No, no problem. Just couldn't let him leave. He's on the ground now. Empty that register. Well done, Mr. Cage. Who the hell are you? That's Vin Diesel and Samuel L. Jackson meeting in Triple X back in 2002. Diesel played Xander Cage, an extreme sports guy who gets recruited by the government, Sam Jackson, for a special mission. Triple X was a big hit, raking in nearly $300 million around the world, so naturally, a sequel was made. Diesel wasn't in it, though. Instead, Triple X State of the Union starred Ice Cube. Triple X2 bombed, it only made $70 million around the globe, so it must have been Ice Cube's fault, or maybe Willem Dafoe's. Oh, 
And no offense, but their performances were terrible. But now Vin and Sam are back to right the ship in Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. You know, they say the world is safer than it's ever been in the history of civilization. Do you feel safer today than you did yesterday? I know I don't. Hmm, sounds like he needs a hero. The world has changed. The war we're fighting today needs a different kind of soldier. We need people with the skills and the attitude to take on threats we don't even know exist. I wonder who he's talking about. We need someone who can walk into a tornado and come out the other side like it was a damn gentle breeze. Get on your knees! If you wanted me back, you could have just asked me. Of course, it's Vin Diesel. The trailer shows him doing all sorts of extreme stunts, like skateboarding along the side of a moving semi and skiing through the jungle, even though it's summer. And as with all things Vin Diesel, it is a very heroic portrayal, but he can somehow get away with that. It only makes us want to watch him more. We'll get our chance when Triple X Return of Xander Cage hits theaters in January. Let me simplify it for you. Kick some ass. And try to look dope while you're doing it. I could definitely make that work. Guns, girls, global domination. Sandy Cage is back. That is the news from the couch. Jeff, have you seen Triple X? I have not. Is it good? No, I haven't seen it either. No. But I'm wondering how long until you see it. I'll definitely see it before Triple X 3 comes out here. I'm surprised you're not going to go out and buy it immediately. (laughs) First, I want to watch it. It's got a, I don't know. Maybe it'll be on Netflix by then. Maybe it's on now. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, you got to complete the Vin Diesel library. <laughs> I don't know. The Fast and the Furious are uh, an upper, uh, higher echelon than I think maybe Triple X <laughs> might be. Uh, up next, we're going to tell you what's coming to Blu-ray and DVD this week. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. You're under arrest for insider trading. Michelle, don't struggle. Son of a You're bankrupt. All your accounts have been frozen. Claire, get me a new lawyer. You don't have any money, you stupid ginger. Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes having a quick look at what is coming to Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming week. Jeff, what was that? That is The Boss, starring Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Bell. McCarthy plays a really rich Martha Stewart kind of lady, but uh, she gets busted and loses her whole empire and has to go live with a single mom, Kristen Bell. And it's a fish out of water story. Apparently it's not very good, though. So if you like Melissa McCarthy, better better shot of going back to her big three, uh, Bridesmaids, The Heat, or Spy. Those are all Instant classics. I love those movies. Also this week, uh, Hardcore Henry. You saw that one. I did see that. That's the action movie that's entirely first person. Much. It's basically meant to look like a video game. Uh, certainly an interesting visual experience. Little. It's actually not a little jarring. It's super jarring. Really? Uh, but it's really short, so if you want to see something unique and different, try Hardcore Henry. And uh, Barbershop, the next cut starring Ice Cube and Cedric the Entertainer. I think that's the third, maybe the fourth in the Barbershop series. It got pretty good reviews, and by all accounts, uh, you like Barbershop movies you'll like the next cut. Yeah, tremendous cast in that as well. Ice Cube, Common, I think Nicki Minaj was in there, Eve, uh, um, the guy from Curb Your Enthusiasm, Leon. 
Leon J.B. Smoove. Yes, I believe he's in that as well. Cedric the Entertainer. I can't remember if I said that. I uh, said that. You said that. Very good. I'm not listening. Uh, this <laughs> is the Couch Potatoes. We have a gift. We see what no one else is willing to see. We do things others can't do. Ghostbusters. If there's a paranormal problem, we're the ones to answer the call. Hello. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Got a chance to see the new Ghostbusters this week, and it was a lot of fun. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He is Brett. By now, we all know that this is a remake of the original from 1984. Not a straight remake, but the basic premise is the same. A group of scientists believe in the paranormal. Everyone scoffs at them. And a plague of ghosts is unleashed on New York City. And everyone needs the Ghostbusters to save the day. This time around, the Ghostbusters are played by Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, Kate McKinnon, and Leslie Jones. Wiig is like the stuffy one, especially at the beginning when she's trying to leave her studies in the paranormal behind her so she can get tenure as a professor at a prestigious university. But she gets sucked back in by her old friend McCarthy, who's like, he's like Dan Aykroyd from the first one. She's really into it and gets excited when she should be getting scared. McKinnon is the tech nerd one and steals a lot of her scenes, actually. She's definitely the oddball of the group and safety is never her top concern. And Jones is not a scientist. She's a transit worker who sees a ghost and ends up teaming up with the Ghostbusters when she realizes they need some common sense, a vehicle, and someone who knows the history of the city. Then there's Chris Hemsworth. We were talking about him before on the show. He plays their receptionist, and to say he is dumb is an understatement. He makes Homer Simpson look like Einstein. A lot of good laughs coming from that guy, and I think it's a pretty shrewd career move, Brett, proving he has some comic chops so he doesn't get stuck being cast as a superhero or, you know, Captain Kirk's dad for the rest of his life. Yeah. Just a little bit of, you know, something something different because a lot of those guys, once they hit one note too many times, it's the only note anyone will let them play. Well, actually, let me just play this clip in case you missed it from earlier this show. Here is your coffee, Abby. Thank you. Did you get sugar in it this time? Mm. Yeah. I hate coffee. Yeah, the sugar's in it. Sugar's in it. <laughs> I love that oh. he just sort of trails off. I hate, I hate coffee. You can't even say it. <laughs> There's another part where he wants their opinion on two photos of him. He's like, do I look better playing the saxophone? Picture him playing a saxophone, or do I look better listening to saxophone? And he's just got it held up by his ear. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so stupid. All the characters get a, at least a few good laughs. The story, I thought, flowed in a pretty tight yet relaxed manner. It just makes for a fun time at the movies. And, of course, they're all a little, lot of fun little winks and nods to the original. There are cameos galore. And if you look close, you'll see a little homage to the late, great Harold Ramis, who, of course, played Egon the first time around. Uh, the main drawback to the movie, for my money, is the bad guy. It's this wormy little fellow who's gone off his 90s you know, figured out a way to bring ghosts into the world and he wants to unleash the apocalypse. He's a very thinly drawn character and honestly, it's been about a week since I've seen the movie. I can't remember what his beef with society was and I remember he said he was bullied a lot as a kid but if there's anything beyond that, I can't remember it. And the movie did not make too much of an effort to make me care one way or the other. Now, that's a far cry from the very real menace of the first movie. That was legitimately scary. I know I was a kid when it came out and I love the movie even though 
don't give me nightmares, but even as an, as an adult, Gozer the Gozerian and her dogs are a frightening sight. Uh, even the second movie, which is terrible, had some really creepy moments in it with that painting. This one doesn't really. I mean, again, I'm sure part of it has to do with the fact that I'm 40 now and not 8 years old. But even with the minor ghosts, I mean, the CGI work is impressive, but they all come across much more cartoony than in the first one. Like, remember the librarian ghost at the beginning of the original movie? Was that not one of the most frightening things you've ever seen? That whole scene was really was, well done because yeah. there was just suspense and real tension. And yeah, that, that ghost, uh, it was terrifying. It still scares me. Yeah, it's spooky. And they sort of try to kick this movie off with... Uh, a, a, not the same scene, but a scene that's similar to that. But I, I think maybe part of it is also that you know where it's going to go because it has to go there because it's a Ghostbusters movie. Yep. So you're not really that scared. And also the main guy in it is not this timid elderly librarian lady like in the first one. It's, uh, oh, he was, he, he played like a loser guy on The Office, the tall skinny guy. I can't remember okay. what his name was. Yep. But it's just, so, you know, it's like, it's that guy, right? It's not, if it's a stranger, it seems like it's more real kind of thing. So okay. again, is this one just didn't just didn't have that that menace to it that the first one did where it's like where you really hope they get the ghosts because the ghosts are actually frightening you. Bottom line though, I mean, of course it's not better than the original. No one ever thought it would be, but it was better than I was expected. I had a lot of fun. I'm giving Ghostbusters a solid three and a half couch cushions out of five. And of course this week has been marked by uh, some controversy and some real just frustrating, uh, it's a frustrating element of modern day society. One of the cast members, Leslie Jones, falling victim to some serious trolling. I don't even know if trolling is the appropriate word. Hate, I guess, is the, the yeah, better word. all these racist comments on our Twitter just because, like, the the backlash against this movie when it was announced, never even mind, like, long before it came out or anyone saw it is just mind-boggling. It's really frustrating uh, to know that there are guys out there who would freak out. Oh, how dare they make a Ghostbusters movie with women? <laughs> the the unmitigated gall that they yeah. use women. That's ridiculous. They're, these are all hilarious women. And especially when they, it's that, they're ruining my childhood. It's like, if you saw this when you're a kid, like I did, I was eight. So, and I'm 40 now, so all these guys are like 40-year-olds doing this? Yeah. That is insane. That's re that's that's a like, good point, when Jeff. It's a, if it's a teenager, you know, it's still bad, but... You sort of get it. Yeah, because we were all teenagers and you know how dumb teenagers can be. <laughs> you know, even if they're not intentionally trying to be hurtful, it's just... just the teenage brain is a, a wonder to science that will never truly be examined. But I mean, 40-year-old people <laughs> should definitely know better. And to have their heads that far in the sand is just, uh, it makes you weep for society. Yeah, and it was it was kind of sad just looking at some of the tweets that Leslie Jones was putting out. I mean, clearly she was uh, shaken is is a, just a, a wild understatement. And she eventually signed off of Twitter because she was under such attack from these racist, misogynistic pigs and I think that's a real sad thing. Uh, and in her comment, she she put it better. She says, I don't, I can't remember the exact words, but she signed it off with, and all of this because I did a movie. Yeah, yeah. So I hope that this doesn't sort of discourage her from pursuing bigger and better things because she's, she's, her she's star has risen quickly. And she's hilarious. She is one of the best things on Saturday Night Live lately. How long has she been on Saturday Night Live? Just a couple of years, I think. Yeah, so it was. It was she was, I think, the the one. Uh, 
of the four women announced, Kate McKinnon has been on Saturday Night Live for a few years now. Yeah. So Leslie Jones, I suppose, if you were to look at this cast, you could you'd say she's the rookie, so oh, to speak. Right. But she's great, and I hope that she sticks around and doesn't let this beat her down. And, of course, there has been all kinds of support sort of flooding, uh, trying to wipe out these losers. Uh, So that uh, has been a sad thing. But, again, she's funny. They're all funny. Jeff has given it. Again, what did you give it? Three and a half Coach Cushions out of five. There you go. So I might eventually go see Ghostbusters as well. It's fun. All right, up next, I want to tell you about some of the summer TV that I am desperately trying to get caught up on after my Game of Thrones binge sort of set me back just uh, a little bit. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Over the last couple of weeks, I embarked on a journey to watch Game of Thrones, watch one episode a night from July through the end of August. There are six seasons... Six seasons of 10 episodes each. So I thought I'll watch one episode every night. That'll go all July, all August. What did I do? I binged the whole thing in two weeks. I did nothing else at home but watched Game of Thrones. I think in one day I watched eight episodes. Two weeks. That's like 60 episodes. Yeah. 30 a week. That's a lot, man. Well, it, it got it got uh, heavier in the second week because I was on vacation, so I was watching on average five a day. Okay. So the first week it was two episodes, uh-huh. maybe three, but then it was five. There was one day where I watched eight. So that plan went out the window, and in doing so, all of my summer television shows have been slowly and then now quickly backing up because... Well, you think, ah, well, it's, yeah, I'm only an episode behind. I'm only two episodes behind. And then when I look at my PVR, oh, I'm five episodes behind on this. I'm four episodes behind on that. Uh, I ended up deleting a couple of shows. I was going to watch that American Gothic. Right. Just deleted it because... It's the problem with binging when, when you have a steady diet coming in. Yeah. It, it was it was fun, though. I'm glad I did it. But go. now I have the, the this laborious task ahead of me of trying to get caught up on some of the shows that I like to watch in the summer. And one of the shows that I started to get caught up on is a CBS show called Zoo. For centuries, mankind has been the dominant species. But a series of recent events seem to suggest animals have decided no more. And so we were hired, an expert in animal behavior, a journalist, safari guide, foreign intelligence agent, and a veterinary pathologist. Our task, to find out what is happening with the animals and how to stop it. Zoo, premier CBS June 28th. So on June 28th, I wasn't watching Zoo because I was watching Game of Thrones. Zoo is based on a book by James Patterson and Michael Ledwidge from 2012, a science fiction thriller about a world where the animals are mutating and they're becoming more intelligent and they rebel against the human race and slowly what seems like random attacks become clear that it's not the animals just engaging in random aggressive behavior. They are gunning for the human race to wipe us off of the planet. And the first season, I mean, hey, it's summer television, summer television, not always, but especially when it comes to network television, summer TV tends to be very sort of mindless escapist fare. And that's exactly what Zoo was. I thought it was 
fun. It was thrilling. It was silly. And, and because it was TV, it often, it often had bad CGI because of all the animals. I mean, animals are hard to do CG, even with a huge budget, never mind, for a TV show. But it was still a fun, just sort of enjoyable show. With season two, so I've now watched, I watched the, the premiere, which was two episodes. It was at a two-hour sort of premiere. I think there have been four episodes now, so I still have some catching up to do. But one of the things I was mad about was the, the main, basically, storyline of the first season was them trying to find a cure and coming up with a cure, and they still had, they knew what they needed to do to get this cure, but they were still trying to put all the pieces together. Season two, they quickly put the pieces together, and it doesn't work! So they <laughs> they throw out the main storyline from season one and take it in a completely different direction, which I'm fine with because that's sort of the evolution of the story. It's just another uh, roadblock for them. But the speed at which they dismissed that first season sort of irked me, and it almost made me stop watching it. And they've taken it, not only did they blow that off, but now they're taking it in some really in a kooky direction, and I'm not sure that I am liking it. Maybe I'm just still spoiled from Game of Thrones being such an excellent show that returning to kind of mindless network fare is whatever. But anyway, if you haven't read the book and are curious about it, I, I do recommend the first season just for sort of, like I said, mindless escapist fare. It is fun, and it's kind of scary to think about what would happen if the animals of the planet decide, no more humans, you're gone. So that's Zoo. Another show I started to get caught up on this week is a better show called Ray Donovan. Check for $10,000 to retain your services. You can take the job or not. Money's yours either way. Mickey got in over his head. First the Armenians, then the Russians. I got a fight today with a $55 million purse. You gotta help me out here, man. You took care of him. How? Doesn't matter. So Ray Donovan is a show from the Showtime network in the United States. They're now on to season four. Stars Liev Schreiber as the titular character, Ray Donovan, who plays a, a Hollywood fixer of sorts. He he cleans up messes regardless of whether or not the, the, mean, the methods he uses are legal. And it's not so much a story about his, I mean, obviously his work is a, a big part of the story, but sort of running parallel with his job and the stories that come with that are his family and the dysfunction of his family. And it's a really interesting show in terms of its characters. All of the characters are really fleshed out and John Voight plays his father in an excellent supporting role. And I sort of suspect that they maybe only intended him to be in the first season, but because he's so good, they keep writing him back into the show and finding sort of ludicrous stories to make it work. But, and I use the word ludicrous because I feel like maybe that's where season four is going. I'm starting to think that they don't know what to do with all of the various supporting characters. That's a problem when you introduce a huge ensemble cast is you have to give them all something to do. And I'm starting to not really care about all of these other people. I still care about Ray Donovan, but everyone else, not so much. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe Ray Donovan should be put to bed soon. But I'm still going to enjoy it. I enjoyed the first two episodes, and Leo Schreiber just 
it hits it out of the park. His performance is so good. I mean, it's a it's a well acted show from top to bottom, and uh, it, it's, it's not mindless escapist fare like Zoo is. It's a great summer show. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes, Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun. We are the Couch Potatoes. Catching up on your TV? Have you watched Mr. Robot yet? Zoo and Ray Donovan are the shows I have watched. That's it, eh? You're gonna love Mr. Robot. Uh, the two hour premiere was phenomenal. I can't see what else they got in store this season because. Boy, that, that's the show that just gets under your skin. I will make it a priority to get on top of Mr. Robot very soon. I have way too much television to watch. And I'm going to see Jason Bourne this week. I'm excited about that. I'll have a review for you next week. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. This is 680 CJOB.